zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. This is your NFL Week 11 betting preview with odds courtesy of BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my Action Network colleague, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. Stuck, uh, congratulations on the 3-0 six-pack last week. Uh, how you doing? I got to find out who Jerome Boger is on and not bet his games anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that the Saints got in the back door, but I, I have to get it ran out here. I mean, roughing the passer is ruining the viewing experience of the NFL. And it's really a simple – and just the inconsistencies on a week-to-week basis. That call, you can't have a, a third-down pick in the end zone be overturned because a quarterback got pushed. I mean, it's not roughing the passer in any world, but sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't. It completely flips a game. And I'm glad that the Saints got there. But it's such an easy solution. Like, I get that the NFL wants to protect its quarterbacks. But there are so many there are so many plays where everyone within reason would say, okay, that's clearly not roughing the passer. You can't find anyone in the world that says that's roughing the passer. The announcers yell about it, anybody. Even fans of the team were, that benefited will say it. All you got to do, they have these quick reviews now. Just go up to the booth and say, all right, was it yes. or not? That's it. The college does it. Now, college wants to protect its players. They have targeting. Right. You throw the targeting flag. They go, they look at it real quick. They come back out and say, it's not targeting. Still addressing your safety. But if it's a clear non roughing the passer, which can swing a game, we have to be able to look at these things. And, you know, they're doing a little better with some of these quicker reviews. Like, all right, he was out of bounds. All right. We don't have to go spend two minutes on it. Do the same thing. You can look at half these plays and say, all right, that's clearly not roughing the passer. So it's becoming an epidemic. There are just some every week. It just seems like there are so many soft ones. But I'm glad that the Saints got there. I'm glad that it didn't go to overtime and they didn't get the two because overtime's not treated as well this year. <laughs> well, maybe we're due, we're due for some overtime wins here. But, uh, yeah, let's. Uh, who cares about last week? Let's move on to uh, week 11. I was thinking the exact same thing, so I'm glad you brought that up. It's like you're clearly trying to protect the referees by saying, all right, certain calls are judgment calls. They can't be reviewed. But it's like you're not protecting the referees because they're getting eaten alive on social media the minute they screw up these calls. Like they're getting eaten alive by both fan bases because the odds are in a game, if you're if you're blowing calls, you're blowing them across the board. So it's like no one's happy. Players on both sides are yelling at you. Both sidelines are yelling at you. Yeah, like I don't care if, if you want to make roughing the passer a ticky-tack foul where like any little contact is a penalty, but just make sure you get it right then. Again, like I'm a better, obviously, it's just a headache in the long term. It just creates more variance. More it variance, creates, yeah. Any, anyone who wins, everyone's going to be, have some type of asterisk to kind of throw on it. It's absurd. So like, yeah, I and it's, totally a, it's very bizarre. They also added these subjective taunting calls. I mean, like that taunting call that they, on the Bears was outrageous. And yeah. it's, it's bizarre because the league is now promoting gambling. And this is the not what you want deciding games is these taunting calls and then roughing the passer on like shoves. I, I, I still haven't seen one worse than the Browns against Kyler Murray when they shoved them and he didn't even fall down. He just kind of took a couple of steps back and yeah, hopefully the league in the off season, they add a rule where, you know, they can look at these things. And the good thing is that at least in the playoffs, they do tend to let teams play a little more. So I doubt we'll see as many taunting or bad roughing the passer calls, but it's, it's very frustrating during the regular season to watch. Yeah. Let's get into uh, 
the week 11 slate. We'll start with the Thursday night game. Then we'll get into our Sunday six pack uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, before we kick things off, three quick reminders. First, if you plan to bet on any sport ever, and you still haven't downloaded the free award-winning action network app. What are you doing? It's got betting tools. It lets you shop for the best lines. It's got analysis for me, Stucky, the whole Action Network team. And most importantly, it lets you track every bet that you make. Second, if you need to reference our Sunday six-pack picks anytime, all you got to do, use the Action Apps follow feature. Follow Sunday six-pack. We use that account to track those picks there. They're usually posted every Friday. And finally, if anybody out there has been living under a rock and hasn't heard about the Big Bets on Campus podcast with my guy Stucky, definitely check that out if you bet college football or college basketball. College Hoops has tipped off. We got bowl season coming up, so check out Big Bets on Campus for everything that you need to bet on college sports. All right, Stuck, let's get a crack in with Thursday night football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. So we got the Patriots, fresh off a beat down of the Browns. That was not fun, but at least it wasn't a sweat for me. It was over pretty quickly. Now they are going on the road on a short week to play the Atlanta Falcons. The line is six and a half. The total is 47 and a half. Uh, initially, it looked like some sharp action coming in on the Patriots, but I wonder if that was to kind of buy back at Atlanta at plus seven and a half. Cause now uh, if you look at the action network app, it, we're tracking a more sharp action on the Falcons than we were uh, on the Patriots, which, which we were tracking earlier in the week. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on this game between the Falcons and the Pats? Yeah. But, uh, I think that at seven, the Falcons are a buy anything below that. It gets a little iffy. I do think that there was some, some dumbing up of this line. And also, Corderell Patterson has been extremely important for the Falcons. He, it was assumed that he was going to be out for a couple of weeks, but he's practicing. He's going to be a game-time decision. I don't know. I think that he's on the positive side to go. Um, and I didn't think there was a shot he was going to play, which obviously hurts an offense that doesn't have – that already doesn't have Calvin Ridley. But obviously, the Pats have been rolling. The Falcons have – you know, they've shown some signs of life some week, but they're coming off an embarrassing loss last week. You could go, you know, from so many trends here that will support the Falcons in just a buy low, sell high spot. I mean, the Falcons didn't cover last week by, what, 40? Patriots, did, they covered by over 35 and a half points. I mean, you could go just fading teams that cover by more than four touchdowns the next week in the NFL, profitable. Playing teams that don't cover by over four touchdowns, profitable. You have both here. I believe this year, if, if it seems like, all right, who's good, who's not, it seems like a there's more parity than ever in the NFL. I believe that I'm just going based on memory here. I should have written it down. I believe that if you'd simply played teams that didn't cover the week before against teams that covered this year, you would be 44 and 21 against, against the spread, 68%. But regardless, look, the Patriots have been very good. Mac Jones has been very good. But this at seven, you're talking about a Falcons team that on October 31st, you know, a couple weeks ago, was a field goal favorite over the Panthers. The Panthers, obviously the, the Patriots have received some a bump over the past few weeks, but this is a Panthers team that was only catching three and a half points at home to New England. 
And now you're getting obviously a key number of seven. It gets a little dicier below that. And it's Thursday night football, which I look for reasons to avoid. I took some plus seven and it's just simply a buy low sell high spot. I think the number is too high and you hope that you get good Matt Ryan here. I, I bet the Falcons, but small, nothing crazy yeah. here. Yeah, I, I think I'm staying away. I, I get your point on the Bible so highs. And I think that's that's interesting that you, you gave that number about teams, you know, that didn't cover versus teams that did. Cause I think, you know, we don't like it's that's an oversimplification of what we do here, but I feel like kind of um almost subconsciously that's kind of what we do a lot of. Like we're always talking about, okay, like, you know, this team didn't play good last week, but <laughs> here's why I think probably will play better this week. It's human nature. Uh, and the same thing for teams that played well. And you get a little overreaction or underreaction yeah. in the market as well. Yeah, like if you picture just a model, like forget even the the human element of it, which is very real, but just from a model standpoint, like if you picture the highs and lows throughout the season, after a team wins by, you know, 35 or loses by 40, like that's going to be at the widest point of which the discrepancy exists because a team is not going to win by 35 or lose by 40 every week. You know, if, if they play those, even if they play that same game over, uh, you know, 10,000 times, like that's not what, what would, would happen. So uh, you're just, it, like, it makes sense from the numbers perspective. It makes sense from the human perspective of you, you just got embarrassed. Um, you kind of want to come out strong or you just you're feeling yourself. You play well, you want to kind of come back down to earth and, and right. It, it, there's a huge discrepancy between these two teams. Now, you know, I was surprised to, to see new England is up to fifth in overall DVOA uh, and Atlanta's 32. That's that is adjusted for strength of schedule. Um, the thing about new England, and it, maybe I should have took this into account more last week, you know, I had them as a pick them against the Browns, um, you know, so I like the Browns. That was obviously a bad handicap, but um, New England is kind of improving. Uh, and, and that's because Mac Jones, I think, is improving. So that's that is something that kind of scares me with looking at their season long data. And they're already up to fifth. So like I like this team could be like really good, even better than maybe we think. So some an interesting trend, uh, too. you kind of mentioned teams coming off the blowout first half home underdogs coming off a blowout of 20 to 40 points, 151 and four, 66% against the spread since 2003, mm. according to our action labs data. So even if this, this is one where maybe it gets away from the Falcons, because they are the inferior team, it is Thursday. It's hard to, to kind of, you know, do that on a, on a short week. You would expect them at least to perhaps keep close uh, in the first half. So there's a few ways you can attack this. I should also note sharps are, Looks like sharps are on the over uh, on this game. We have tracked sharp action uh, on the over with with them not coming back on the under um, as they did with you know coming back on the Falcons here. So uh, that that's something interesting. That's about all I got to say about this game. It should be should be a weird game, uh, but we saw what happened last week. You know, everyone assumed that the Ravens were just going to kind of roll to you know, win against the Dolphins. Maybe it wouldn't be easy, but they would get it, and uh, they came out flat. And uh, the Dolphins never relented. So. Um, I could see that kind of similar script playing out here. All right, that's going to wrap it for our Thursday night football preview for week 11. Let's give the people what they want. Let's open the week 11 Sunday six-pack presented by our friends at Athletic Brewing Company. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, Stuck, you had a good week. Uh, you closed the gap. It's 35-31. Again, you went 3-0 and last week. So we've had three straight weeks of one of the two of us going 3-0. and Let's get a six. Let's get a six. Yeah, this week. we need. That's what we need. Like, I don't think we've ever gone. I think we've gone 6-0 and before, but I don't think we've ever gone 
eight and oh so that's what we really need we need to get the the six yeah. and the, the total so um but overall uh it's been a good year on the pod uh, i hope you guys are enjoying it and, and the picks that you're tailing are hitting at you know a similar rate to the picks that were given out because uh it has been uh, a very good year uh, you're up first duck where are you going for your top pick of the week 11 sunday six pack all right, I'll start things off with my first pick of the Sunday six-pack. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is a great spot to back the Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs have been absolutely dreadful as a favorite of more than a field goal over the past year plus. And now Patrick Mahomes is a favorite of more than a field goal. 19, 23, and one against the spread for his career. This is a guy who covered all the time. It's only 45%. If he's a dog or a favorite of a field goal or less, he's 10, two, and one against the spread. Saw it last week. We've seen it a couple times over the past two years. The Chiefs defense is really bad. So sometimes the Chiefs are going to win by three and you're not going to cover six, seven. You see it all the time. Teams get in the back door. I just need the Chiefs to win this game. I think they can for a number of reasons. One, I think their offense is finally starting to figure it out. The league adjusted to them. Now I think that they're starting to adjust. They're being a little bit more patient using short passing attack, the running game, which both can succeed against the Cowboys. Bad run D, bad against tight ends to set up the deep shots. And the deep shots should work here, by the way. Very aggressive Dallas defense that is due for a lot of turnover regression. They can really exploit and uber-aggressive secondary, especially Trayvon Diggs, who, yeah, he has a million picks. Go look how he's grading out in coverage. He's at bottom. He's outside the top 100 per PFF and quarterback grades. So he's susceptible to double moves, and I think that they can really exploit that by first setting up everything underneath. And the Cowboys aren't this team that's been running the Chiefs beaters, so to speak, so far this year. Quinn has evolved. He's not just a cover three guy, but he's using a lot of cover one, and so we'll see what he does here. Most importantly, the Dallas defense, I mean, they're not going to have their top two pass rushers here. That's huge. You need to, you know, you got to drop both of your safeties. You need to get natural pressure. Demarcus Lawrence already on IR. And now you have Randy Gregory joining him. And he's been unbelievable. I mean, he's been one of the best edge rushers in the entire league. The only two edge rushers of a higher pass rush grade per PFF, Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. That's it. So they lose his presence off of the edge. I think there's a lot of attackable areas for this Chiefs offense that despite all the turnovers, despite all of the struggles, they're still top two in the league in success rate and EPA per play. Another thing that's helped the Chiefs, I think Tyree Kill's getting a little healthier, but Orlando Brown has been playing much better on Mahomes' blind side. If you look at his first five games versus last five, he's been a different player. Makes sense. He's coming over from a, a completely new team. You couldn't ask for a, a different, a more different scheme than what he was playing in Baltimore. So he's playing a lot better on that blind side. That's really helping the offense as well. Speaking of the last five weeks, the Chiefs have gone from one of the worst defenses in the league, historically bad, to just below average. They've been playing a lot better. Now, look, the schedule hasn't been as brutal, but we saw what they did last week. The first five weeks, they went two and three. They were allowing 32.6 points per game. The past five weeks, they're four and one. They've allowed just 15.6 points per game, 17 points fewer per game. Okay, you know, for week six to 10, what's changed? Schedule's gotten a little easier, but it makes sense because they've made a lot of changes personnel-wise. They added Melvin Ingram. They moved Chris Jones back to the interior. That experiment with him on the edge failed miserably. 
Daniel Sorensen, worst safety in football, cut his snaps in half. So I don't know why he's playing. That means more Juan Thornhill. You get Willie Gay back healthy. You get Ward back healthy. A lot of different personnel changes on this defense that I think are translating to more success. Will Dallas still move the ball? Absolutely. But this Chiefs defense, I think, is now just below average, right? Still probably around 22nd, 20. That's all they need to be. Early in the year, they're dead last. You couldn't bet them at all. They also were turning the ball over. So I think there's turnover regression on both sides, right? The Chiefs offense and the Cowboys defense. And um, I just need the Chiefs to win by a field goal here at home. I think they can do that, especially when you consider the field goal is big here. Chiefs have Butker. Cowboys have an ex-CFL kicker who also, from what I've seen, could cost them on kickoffs and field position when the Chiefs – have a dangerous return game. So give me Kansas City under a field goal here. If I just need Mahomes to win by a field goal or more at home, I still trust them. I think that offense took a big step forward last week, and they're finally starting to understand how they have to attack defenses. And uh, there's some exploitable ones here against the Cowboys D. Yeah, if you had a drink for every time Chris Collinsworth said Mahomes is playing the game uh, the way it is supposed to be played or whatever he was on uh... – Sunday night, like you would be drunk because yeah, he was kind of figuring it out here. Anytime you're getting the Chiefs under three at home, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing almost. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be you know, right there when it's all said and done, one of the best teams in the league. So I agree with this one. I think that yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes said it too. He said it's against my nature. Like they yeah. seem so stubborn. Henry, he's against my nature to play this way. But I think that he's finally, over the past few weeks, he's finally starting to realize, okay, this is what I need to do. And that formula will work really well against Dallas. You can run on them. You can throw short passes. You can throw to your tight end. And then you can exploit their aggressiveness on the outside with double moves, hit Hill on some deep shots. I think this sets up for a huge Hill game, which has been uh, – it's been brewing, and I think this is the perfect matchup for it. Yeah, it's, it's got to be more than just scheme because it, it definitely is kind of like, like Mahomes alluded to, just more habitual, you know, with your nature and how you play because this has been – the talk of the NFL for a while now. I remember you talking about it in the offseason, you know, even going back to last year, this Gannon, Staley, Fangio defense, play the safeties deep, eliminate the big play. Like, this is not a secret. This is the re- There's a reason cover two went out of vogue in the first place, and everyone went to single high for a while. You know, like, this is not a new thing. And now, all of a sudden, it's like everyone's doing it to these elite offenses, and they kind of know it's coming, and, they, and a lot of them are still struggling with it. I mean, you see it happen to the Chargers, and that's their exact scheme that they play every day in practice. And the same things happen to the Chargers. So, uh, yep. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an adjustment yeah. league. We saw the cover three tree and all those defenses have success. And then everyone kind of started to figure out how to beat those Carroll defenses. And then teams started. Look at Dan Quinn. He was just a pure cover three guy. And now he's kind of migrated away from, from that. Uh, so, yeah, I think that the Chiefs had to adjust to the league. They're finally figuring out how to do it. And despite all that, they're still t- – the, from a success rate perspective, number one offense in the NFL. The teams that the Chiefs have lost to are combined 25 and 12. So the, t- yeah. the sky's not falling uh, for Kansas City. But yeah, for my first pick and the second overall of the Week 11 Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Seattle Seahawks plus two-and-a-half home dog against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, had to eat that shutout last week. I mean, you get Russell Wilson. Uh, I actually got a couple points of closing line value because I had bet it when it was plus five. Uh, early in the week and you know for them to get shut out for them to hold Rodgers to 17 in Lambeau and uh Russ through two end zone you know interceptions I mean that 
you just got to eat that. It was a bad game coming off the, the finger, I guess. He was probably, you know, thinking more about the rehab than he was about the game plan and the practice and all that stuff because just looked off. But uh, we know, if we know anything about Seattle is that they're going to play close games. They're, they're going to come when you least expect it. They're very much similar to Minnesota. Uh, team we'll talk about in, in a little bit but they have these kind of old veteran coaches that everyone wants fired but they always kind of come up with a win uh, just when you least expect it Russell Wilson 24 12 and 2 67 percent against the spread uh, as an underdog in his career six and three uh, as a home underdog uh, and then you have Pete Carroll and Russ coming off a loss 27 14 and 4 66 percent Pete Cowell and Russ coming off a multi-game losing streak, 7-1-1 one, and one, uh, against the spread, 66%. So, I mean, there's just a lot of different, you know, things with Seattle here, um, you know, that I think that, that, you know, kind of suggests that we should buy low. Um, and then you look at Arizona. Now, they have a buy after this. There's been some talk that, you know, Kyler, he's kind of practicing on, on a limited basis here. But all the reports we're hearing are that they might hold him out toward, uh, you know, for the buy um the, the coach cliff said it's going to be close for him to give it a go this week and if he does he's going to be on a hindered ankle and you know that's you know we we've seen kyler play hurt before and it really hasn't you know it hasn't really been a, a positive for this arizona uh, offense so I, I think this is this is for seattle season like the nfc wildcard race is still wide open you have a bunch of teams that all the other teams are going to look at those teams and say we can we can beat these guys if we can just catch them i mean there's atlanta carolina uh, what the Saints? Like no one's scared of any of these teams. San Francisco, uh, so Seattle. Even though they're near the bottom of the conference, um, they're you're gonna get probably their best game. Uh, obviously, it can't get any worse. But I do think the one thing that gives me hope, you know, as far as the X and O's perspective is, and we saw this last year. We saw this exact same thing last year, but the defense is starting to come together. You know, we saw them play a good game against Rodgers in Lambeau last week. You look at their last five games. Uh, they give up 26 to the Rams, 23 to the Steelers, 13 to the Saints, 7 to the Jags, 17 to the Packers. So they're taking care of business with the bad offenses, and they're not giving up, you know, those 28-30s to the good offenses. Uh, you know, San Francisco comes out, I think, 10 points early, and they shut them out for, like, the remainder of the game, uh, or they, you know, hold them in check for the remainder of the game. They, San Francisco only ends up with 21. So, I mean, the Seattle defense has been playing well for about six weeks five, six weeks, depending on how you look at it. And this is just a, a spot to buy them uh, coming off a brutal showing that, that I just had to eat last week. And, you know, take out Seattle. I know we talk a lot about Russ and, and Carroll, but just an underdog that got shut out the week before against the favorite. 67% when the favorite's not coming off a bye. So it's 41, 20, and three when, when the other team is not off the bye. So at uh, a spot where if you're a better you're looking at Seattle and saying this is a prime buy low spot. As, as ugly as it looked last week, this is not the time to kind of get scared here. You got to go right back to the well. Um, and you might even get some closing line value uh, yet again, because again, I, number one, I don't know if Kyle was going to play. Number two, I don't know how healthy he is. Uh, so love Seattle in this spot at home with the 12s. Uh, their defense already playing well. Division game, always tighter. Uh, you're just, you're, you're going to get a, a great effort from Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if Murray plays, I see value in this number. I think, look, I was, this was going to be my second pick. So I was mad that he took it. Um, but yeah, Seattle, I think this line, I think there's a good chance that they hold Murray out again. And who knows with Hopkins hamstring, you have Murray with an ankle. And last year, Murray had an injury that lingered all year. Given their position, 
in the standings and what happened last year with a buy on deck. I mean, Kingsbury said he'll be careful in his return. They are aware they have only one game left before the buy, which brings more rest. He said it's going to be close, but every, all of his quotes are like, we got to be cautious. So uh, it wouldn't shock me that again, he's held out for the third week in a row. I'm betting Seattle early in the week. And I wouldn't be surprised if this close to Seattle minus three, if he's announced out. I mean, the Colt McCoy show came to an end last week and look, Russell Wilson looked bad last week, but we've seen that all year with quarterbacks coming back for their first start after some time off with an injury. Look at Dak Prescott. Look like he never played the position before against Denver. Look at Russ last week. I mean, it's happened over and over again. And guess what? If Murray plays, he might have some of that rust too. And he's, I doubt, like you said, he's going to be hundred percent mobile. That really kills their offense. I think you get, look, this is the perfect buy low spot on the set. There's articles now in Seattle about this is the end of Russ's error. Uh, it's over. So all of it, this team's done. Like that's, that's usually the, the buy signal in the NFL market. <laughs> right. Speak, speaking of Russ, he's never in his career lost three straight starts. He's looking to avoid that here. And this Cardinals team still think they're severely overrated. They have massive regression coming in the fumble department, fourth downs, third down defense, some of which you saw last week and they got crushed, crushed at home by the Panthers. I think you see a similar outcome if Kyler Murray doesn't play. I think they get, cr- I think the, the Seattle could end up rolling here. Uh, so, yeah, I love this. Would have uh, been my second pick. You know, just to kind of t- put a bow on it, you know, you talk about underrated, overrated. Seattle is playing minus 2.2 below their estimated wins. They are three and five. They have 5.2 estimated wins, according to Football Outsiders. Yeah, the Cardinals are eight and two. Uh, you know, they're playing a full win above. So this is a, a great, you know, kind of buy low, sell high spot. And an underrated factor, you know, talking about Kyler and whether he plays or sits is what's happening with the Rams. Because regardless of what happens with the Cardinals this week, they could lose the game. They are still in sole possession of the NFC West here because they would be eight and three. The Rams are on by uh, the Rams would be seven and three. So, because so that Ram losing streak, I think took a little bit of pressure off the Cardinals here. And then you look at Seattle it's end of Russ's era. Really? All right. Let's say that they have six losses right now. You have 17 games. Here are the one games. back of the one back in the window. Right. And look at their schedule, Arizona. Okay. That's tough. Washington, San Francisco, Houston, Rams, Bears, Bears. Lions, Cardinals. The division games, you got to like you. You got to figure they'll take one out of two with the Cardinals. You know the Rams is a toss up, but they could they could legitimately lose. Let's say they lose two, they'd still be nine and eight. There's a seventh wild card seed, but there's a legitimate shot that they could run the table or have one loss the rest of the way. I mean, the the, the division games are really the only games that you worry about at all. But they lose and, this. I, I I think it's, I think their playoff chances are pretty much gone. If they win this, they're going to have a shot. And they're going to be right there. And by the way, I, uh, I'm taking a page out of your book. Got to raise one more for the fade cliff uh, counter on this podcast. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. <laughs> Ding, hit the bell. All right. Played him for week, week one, at least maybe never again. All right, for my second pick in the third overall, the Sunday six-pack, I am going with the Minnesota Vikings plus two and a half at BetMGM. They are hosting the Packers in the 120th border battle, 120th regular season meeting of the border battle. You want to talk about, you just mentioned estimated wins. Look, Packers are eight and two. Vikings are four and five. Estimated wins, both are at 6.4. These two teams, you want to look at DVOA? Vikings are in the top 10. Packers are not. The Packers are, look, their defense is playing excellent, but I do not think it's sustainable. Russell Douglas, you know, Stokes, Kevin King, 
this corner group I don't think is going to hold up, especially against Kirk Cousins playing at a top five level with one of the best wide receiver rooms in the entire NFL. Look, Devondre Campbell is all of a sudden an all-pro linebacker. Don't see it. And there's so many injuries. I just don't think that this Packers defense can sustain the way that they've been playing, especially with all the injuries. I mean, Zedaria Smith's already on IR. Jair Alexander's on IR. You lose Merciless off the edge for the season to an injury. Rashawn Gary, who's top five in the NFL in quarterback pressures and hits among edge rushers this year, he hyperextended his elbow. He might give it a go. He won't be fully healthy. Packers, one of the most cautious teams in the NFL when it comes to injury. So if he's missing, I mean, this defense is decimated. Not only do I think Cousins can throw in this defense, they should be able to run all day against the Packers defense that still can't defend the run. Dalvin Cook should eat as he did last year when they went in. I think they went into Lambeau and just routed Green Bay. And he went, he went off. So I think that this offense could score on Green Bay. And this Green Bay offense is just not the same as we're accustomed to seeing. They, you know, look, they've lost Bob Tanyan. They now have lost, well, presumably, Aaron Jones. Still have a great backup, but Aaron Jones will hurt in the passing attack. And the offensive line is dealing with injuries as well. And the Vikings defense, despite a lot of injuries this year, despite having pretty much a brand new group compared to the one that finished last year, since week three, when they're top 10 across the board in success rate, EPA per play, and this week they should be getting Peterson back. They will be getting their star safety Harrison Smith back. They also should be getting Barr back. So, I mean, this defense will now be a lot healthier than it has been. And it's just playing at a, an elite level. This is last year was the exception to the rule to the Mike Zimmer defense. This is normally what you get with Mike Zimmer's defense. I think the Packers are just overvalued in the market because they're winning all of these coin flip games and the Vikings are not. Let's take two games, two opponents, both on the road that both of these teams played. Cincinnati, Minnesota lost to them in overtime because of a botched review. Green Bay beat Cincinnati in overtime because no one could make a field goal for 40 straight minutes. Okay? One one in overtime, both coin flips. All right, let's go to Arizona. Arizona has the audible wrong at the end of the game on the goal line and throws a pick. Green Bay hangs on to win. What about Minnesota? They miss a a 30-yard field goal to win the game. Two more coin flips. One goes the Packers' way. One goes the Vikings' way. These these two teams could easily both have, you know, six wins on the season. Even that Washington game against Green Bay. Washington outplayed Green Bay. They don't vomit inside the five for 60 minutes. They win that game. So this Green Bay team, I think it's a good opportunity to sell them here. There's not much difference between these teams. Just their record, which who cares? And now you're getting two and a half at home with a Vikings team that's playing for their playoff lives here. At home, crowd will be crazy. And I think this Packers defense is due for some regression. And the Vikings are due to win one of these close games. Mike Zimmer, bet him as an underdog. 31-20 against the spread as an underdog. 13-6, and 68.5% against teams that have won at least two-thirds of their games. So he's been really good in this spot. Yeah, I think this is a good buy-low opportunity on the Vikings. I think they get it done here. And the Packers will be fine. Look, their defense has showed enough promise that they're a legit Super Bowl contender. But they've definitely been getting pretty fortunate here. There's a reason that in a lot of advanced metrics that measure the season-long team, the Vikings are ahead of the Packers, despite having four fewer wins. And you're catching two and a half here. Probably going to be a close game. Field goals could matter. Packers special team has been a mess. Their kicking situation is a mess. That could matter here as well. 
Give me the Vikings as a home dog. I would normally suggest the wait to get the three. I don't think this is getting the three. Give me Minnesota plus two and a half. Yeah, this kind of ruined my whole six pack because, like, I wanted the Vikings so bad, but I had to play the game theory. I knew you wanted to fade Cliff, so I had to take Seattle, and you took KC first. So I was just hoping, I was hoping there was like another team you like more than Minnesota. And another thing, like, you didn't even mention Green Bay, nine and one against the spread. Green Bay is going to lay another egg at some point. You know, we've seen it with every team in the week. Green Bay is not going to finish the year 15, 16 and one against the spread. You're going to lay some eggs. You know, Minnesota has beat them in Green Bay last year. Mike Zimmer is five and four against the spread as a dog uh, against Aaron Rodgers. He's four and three against the spread on the road. Uh, I mean, at home against Rodgers. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a spot where Minnesota could easily win this game. These are very evenly matched teams. Uh, as you mentioned, Green Bay outside the top 10 in DVOA, the 12th, Minnesota's ninth. Um, so yeah, love, love the spot for, for yeah, Rogers, Rogers has owned right for Rogers has owned the Vikings throughout his career is from a statistical point of view. I mean, he has 50, 51 touchdowns and seven picks in 25 games, including the playoffs, 108 pass rating. That's the most of any quarterback against the Vikings in franchise history. Devante minimum 200 attempts. Devante Adams also had five touchdowns against the Vikings last year in two games, but last we said, we talked about this. Those numbers are inflated by last year. The Vikings defense was just, they had all the opt-outs, the injuries, um, they weren't, they couldn't stop anyone. It was one of the worst defenses in the league. This defense, different story. Uh, I think Minnesota gets it done. The last time these teams played 28, 22 Minnesota in Lambeau. So yeah. Yep. Cook went bonkers. I think that could happen. Right. Again. <laughs> very, very much so. Uh, for my second pick uh, and the fourth overall of the week, 11 Sunday six pack, I am going with the Las Vegas Raiders plus one at bed MGM at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is just a spot where I'm targeting to a coin flip game that I'm getting, you know, I'm getting points here with a home dog, despite these teams being evenly matched, if not the Raiders better. I mean, you look at DVOA, the Raiders are 23rd, so they're not as good as their record, uh, but neither is Cincinnati. They're 25th. So, and remember DVOA is schedule adjusted. I don't know how much that means this year because it seems like everyone's beating everyone and losing to everyone, but uh, either way you have two evenly matched teams, so you're telling me that, you know, just because Cincinnati coming off a, a buy, these buy teams, these teams off the buys have not been good this year. You know, they've, they've been below 50% against the spread. So the books are starting to like, bake that into the line. You're not really getting an edge anymore, targeting these teams coming off buys. Um, so road Zach me, Taylor too. Right. You get road Zach Taylor. Who's, I was going to bring that up. He's four and 15 and a tie straight up. And remember, this is a one point spread here. So you're essentially betting the Raiders to win the game. They're at home. They're coming off the losing streak. They weren't as good as their record showed early in the year, uh, but they're also not bad enough to be, to be giving points to Cincinnati Bengals. They're essentially still, I mean, more or less the last place team in the AFC North. I mean, all, all things considered. Uh, so this to me is just is just wild. The Raiders still can do some things, you know, pressure wise. They can still they still have some decent cornerbacks, you know, even with releasing our net and, and whatnot. You know, the defense is going to do what it does. But this is actually a good matchup for the Raiders, because what does Gus Bradley do? He likes to play a ton of zone. Uh, he likes to play a lot of single high. Uh, and the, so the Raiders are one of the most zone heavy teams, you know, top three in zone coverage rate. Well, Cincinnati uh, against man coverage, they're averaging 11.9 yards per target. Uh, and a touchdown rate of 12.6% per target. Against zone coverage, that drops 3.3 yards per target down to 8.6, and the touchdown rate uh, gets cut in, into one-fifth at 2.1%. So you're talking about 
uh, this Cincinnati team that's going to kind of have to work for its scores against this Raider team that, again, it's just it's it's just as good as Cincinnati. Um, you know, I know Ruggs isn't there. Ruggs was obviously a big part of the offense, but they're getting Jacobs more involved. Uh, they're getting Drake more involved. Brian Edwards is, is breaking out. You still got Renfro and Waller, so you still got two guys that in the short to intermediate area, uh, you can win a game like this. I think they got the field goals out of their system you know, after they that burned them against the Giants in a game that you called the upset. First team this year to kick three field goals of 25 yards or less or something like that. Uh, so they're not gonna they're not gonna do that anymore. They're gonna play aggressive. They're at home. They're desperate to stay in this race. Uh, Cincinnati hasn't played in a while. These buy teams have been coming out rusty. LV the Raiders are a better team by DVOA and their defense matches up perfectly. Uh, with Cincinnati from a schematic standpoint. So give me the Raiders plus one as a home dog against the Bengals. Yeah, no strong feel here, but I don't necessarily disagree with you. I could also see this being uh, a shootout. I do think that it basically will come down to how much pressure the Raiders edge rushers in Crosby and Ngakwe can get on Burrow and disrupt that offense. And they've done that in quite a few games this year. If they can get home, against still a bad Bengals offensive line and force Burrow into mistakes, third and longs, then I think the Raiders can win this game. But probably a stay away for me. This has shootout potential. I do, I do lean the over at 50. All right, for my third pick and the fifth overall of the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the hold your nose Houston Texans plus 10.5 against the Tennessee Titans. You are, We talked about quarterbacks being – very poor in their first start after coming back from a long break of injury break. Here's another example, Tyrod Taylor against the dolphins, just uncharacteristic throws turnovers. And this guy throughout his career, one of the lowest interception rates in NFL history. He got to shake off the rust. He has a bye week, two weeks to kind of work with the ones get back into the flow. I expect a much better Tyrod Taylor here. This is a, Tyrod Taylor can use his legs here against a bad run defense, but they're getting a lot of pressure. So his mobility will be very key here. He also won't kill them with mistakes. I'm banking on his priors and everything he's done, you know, outside of that one fluke game, which was the exception of the rule against the Dolphins. And this is a Titans team that we've seen over and over again, play down to its competition. Mike Grable, just Awesome as an underdog. 17 and nine against the spread, over 65%. As a favorite, he's 13, 18, and one. And this reminds me of a spot back in 2018. They were 10 and a, this, I think it was his late November. They were 10 and a half point favorites against Josh McCown and the Jets at home. They had just come off four games against team playoff team. They had all had double digit wins. They were like 10 and a half at home. Huge, just flat spot. They needed 13 straight points in the fourth quarter to come back to win by four against Josh McCown and the Jets. What have the Titans done? They've won five straight against the Bills, the Chiefs, at the Colts, uh, at the Rams, come home for the Saints. Oh, guess what? Next week they have the Patriots. I mean, you want to you talk about a flat spot. Like They've won all five of those games against really good competition with the Patriots next week. I mean, and look, there's no Derrick Henry. There's no Julio Jones. So it would not shock me to see the Titans come out completely flat here. And yes, they went 5-0 in those games. But Josh Allen slipped on a quarterback sneak inside the five. 
they beat the Colts in overtime because, uh, you know, essentially that Colts guy tore his ACL on an interception return and fumbled the ball. And, you know, they beat the Saints because of Jerome Boger. So they easily could have been two and three of those games. I think they're a little overvalued in the market right now. Defensive line is playing well, but I think Tyrod Taylor can do enough to keep this within the number. It's not a Titans team that's at full strength right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so, yeah, give me the 10 and a half, and let's hope Jerome Boger was not assigned to the Titans again. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, this is a, a team in Houston that we've, you know, we were looking to kind of buy when Tyrod was playing well. We just, we, we made the, I, you know, a lot of us I know here bet the, uh, the Texans in that game when Tua got ruled out and it just didn't work out. I think it was the right play there. Um, you know, they, they cover that more often than not if Tyrod doesn't, if he just doesn't throw like one of those interceptions, they might cover that, yeah. uh, that last game. So uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I might, I might have to join you here. I mean, I've been looking for a way to kind of, you know, fade these Titans now there. I, I, you know, they're, there's something to be said. They're playing physical, which I, you know, it sounds like such a cliche, but it seems to be like getting in, it seems to be getting to their opponents. Cause then we also heard that the, the Rams are struggling with like physicality and it, I don't know what the Titans are doing to teams, but uh, they're just kind of wearing them down. And even it's like, even without Henry, they seem to just be the more physical team. Um, but yeah, Houston coming off a bye, Tyrod here. I think, I think this could be a much tougher, and it's a division game, right? Like it could be yeah. a much tougher out. For, for Tennessee, even if they inevitably win by like a field goal again. Uh, so yeah, I don't disagree at all. All right. For my third pick and the sixth overall pick of the week, 11 Sunday six pack. <sighs> Didn't want to have to do it again. I feel like I do this every week on this podcast. It's, it's worked oh. out lately, but hold your nose. Take the Pittsburgh Steelers plus five and a half at BetMGM. Chargers. Rara. It's a rara spot. But Mike Tomlin. What? A rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot. We win the game with this crew of bodies right here today. Uh, bring your game today. Woo! As an underdog from week three on in his career, 37 covers, 16 failures to cover with two pushes. 71% against the spread on a sample size of 55 games. This is his Spot. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Now, I'm almost hoping that Ben Roethlisberger does not play because, number one, probably going to get a better number. Number two, Tomlin as an underdog without Big Ben, 13-3-2, against the spread. Against the Chargers, Tomlin pulled upsets with Michael Vick, and I mean like the ghost of Michael Vick, and Duck Hodges. Beat the Chargers with, with each of those quarterbacks. So they can do this. They can absolutely do this. Now you have Joey Bosa on the COVID list for the Chargers with Tillery. That's big. Uh, but this is just about the Steelers defense coming out strong. Uh, I know it looks like TJ Watt's going to be out, but I still think the, the Steelers, you know, their defense is still formidable. Here we go, defense! The Chargers are still working through some things offensively. It's kind of that second year like regression for Justin Herbert, which seems to starting to figure out what he's doing. They're playing that same coverage. He's a rookie. Uh, it's going to take some time to now adjust. You know, we saw how long it took Mahomes, um, and he's like, you know, like a fourth, fifth year, fifth year pro who's been to Super Bowls, and it took him a while to adjust. Uh, I think Herbert's kind of in the midst of that right now. You look at these teams in weighted DVOA, Chargers 16th, uh, Steelers 19th. So they're pretty much even. Chargers the slightest of slightly above average. Steelers the slightest of slightly below. 
And then, you know, you look at all the models. I mean, you know, Football Outsiders makes this uh, a two-point game. Uh, I make it I make it about four, just kind of adjusting to the uncertainty and the fact that Big Ben could come back and be rusty uh, off the COVID. But, you know, we're getting we're getting up to five and a half. We might even, you might even be able to get a six out there. If Ben is ruled out, you're definitely getting a six, even though Tomlin is 13, three and two as a dog without Big Ben. Let the greatest of all time look at your work. You know, coming off a loss where Tomlin, this was like about as mad as Tomlin's going to be like he didn't even congratulate his team. He didn't even talk up the other team. After that tie, he was just livid. I'm going to look at you real close today to see if you're highly conditioned and ready to go. You know what I mean? And if you're not, I'm going to put you in the news. You're going to get a good effort out of the Steelers. You don't want to bet them as favorites. You absolutely want to bet them as dogs, especially getting more than a field goal uh, in this spot. Uh, it's it's going to be a struggle, a, a bigger struggle for, for the Chargers than, than people think. So hold your nose, take the Steelers, plus five and a half, see if you can get six. My kids want to have a good Christmas. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning last year, Roethlisberger went on the COVID list early in the week and then was activated on the day before the game, which could happen here. He has to have two negative tests. He played the, and look, Ben was bad last year too. He played the Bengals. He came off. So it actually be a good thing like when he doesn't practice or throw because he's so old. But he threw the ball like 45 times. He threw for like 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Bengals and they won by 30. So he already knows the offense. I don't think that even if he does play, it would be a bad thing. And last week, he he tested positive on a Saturday. So, like, Mason Rudolph wasn't practicing all week with the ones. He wasn't preparing to start. So, he will be preparing to start this week. So, in either case, I think the Steelers will be in better shape as last week. And, yeah, Charter's defense can't stop the run. They're, you know, secondaries and shambles. Bosa's now hurt. Tiller, I mean, Bosa's now on the COVID list. Tiller's in the COVID list. It's a weird game, the handicap. I'll have a write-up for this game. But, yeah, it's just a t- classic Tomlin Ross spot. You, you have injuries on the offensive line for the Pittsburgh. Hayden might be out. Fitzpatrick's probably out. Watt might be out. I don't want to hear about the labor pains, man. Deliver the damn baby. So it's not ideal, but you just trust the spot. And uh, I think that it's after adjusting for some of these potential injuries, I think that it is too many points. Yeah, it's closer to it's closer to a three four, not a not a five six. Yep. You know, and that, yep. and that's a big edge in, in this this market, this industry that we're talking about here. So yeah. Give me Steelers. That is going to wrap it up for our week 11 Sunday six pack. As a recap, Stucky is going with the Kansas City Chiefs minus two and a half, the Minnesota Vikings plus two and a half, the Houston Texans plus 10 and a half. I am going with the Seattle Seahawks plus two and a half, the Vegas Raiders plus one, and the Pittsburgh Steelers plus five and a half. And that concludes our Week 11 Sunday six-pack presented by Athletic Brewing Company, whose innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to golden ales and more, they offer a full selection of craft brews starting at only 50 calories. With two custom breweries in Connecticut and California, they've created a lineup of styles loaded with accolades, including the 2020 World Beer Award gold medal for their flagship IPA, Run Wild. With full flavor, low calories, and no chance of a hangover, Athletics Brews let you enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime and anywhere. Place an order today at Athletic brewing.com and get free shipping when you order two or more six packs and enjoy 10% off your order with promo code action 10 that's a-c-t-i-o-n one zero cheers
All right, it's time for our week 11 coaches pep talk. All right, stuck for today's coaches pep talk. We're going with Al Pacino from his Oscar winning role in the 1992 film Scent of a Woman. <laughs> I mean, this, this, I, I kind of wish we, sh- we were dedicating this to Urban Meyer, but I think I got to dedicate this one to Robert Sala, man, for, for the Jets. You have a winnable game at home against the Dolphins this week. I mean, I don't know anymore what, what's going on. It seems like the Jets are just, curse like they're the new browns like everything they do nothing works out you know sal is supposed to be a defensive guy the team is giving up 44 points a game the, the future of your wide receiving core is playing behind keelan cole even though he catches a touchdown every week elijah moore is their fourth receiver in terms of routes run uh every week keelan cole is getting more denzel mims another promising receiver barely plays you know every quarterback that you put in that offense that's not your future franchise quarterback plays better in that offense but yet you didn't get an experienced guy to back him up until Joe Flacco midseason. Uh, and even though every veteran with any more experience than a rookie, you know, Mike White, Josh Johnson plays better in this offense. Like, I don't know what's going on with the Jets, uh, but man, I think Robert Sala really needs to, to kind of get it together here because it's, it's not looking better than Adam Gase. And that's saying something. Wow, gentlemen. When the shit hits the fan, some guys run and some guys stay. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? He gave Urban Meyer a lot of the pep talks. He's covered three of four, by the way. Yeah. Three and one against the spread uh, in his last four. So maybe this will help Sal. Yeah, in regards to that, it's a mess. Their defense is a mess. In regards to that Jets-Dolphins game, we, we could just talk about it right now before best of the rest. The, the Dolphins are going to blitz. They're the one of the most aggressive defenses in the NFL. Joe Flacco starting. I don't know how that's going to end well, with, especially considering the Jets' offensive line is not in good shape. On the other side, the Jets' strengths are defensive line, so maybe they can get a lot of pressure against a really bad Miami offensive line. Division unders this late in the year uh, after Week Ten have been profitable. I don't hate that under. Flacco's going to, if he can get shots off though, he's going to take just deep shots. And then it comes down to like, are they going to call PI? Um, Cause you know, the dolphins are going to play very aggressive, but it could end really poorly for Joe Flacco here. If I had to bet the game, I bet under, but man, what a gross game. And you have to worry about the dolphins. Are they feeling themselves a little bit too much after that Ravens game? Do they show up here for the jets, but gross game. Salah needs a win. I think it's good to get, get the pep talk to him here. All right, uh, let's get into our favorite total of the week. All right, Stuck, so we are 11 weeks, well, 10 weeks into the season. We're in week 11 now, so we have kind of seen total start to stabilize a little bit. You know, things are going a little bit back to normal from last year, um, you know, with the, with the crowds and the penalties kind of normalizing a little bit. So I feel like we've had a little more success with totals than when I think of like one point last year, it was just like a crapshoot every week. It felt like yeah. these totals. Uh, but I'll start us off here since you went first on the six pack. There are two totals I like this week. One, uh, I posted in the app. You're probably not going to get uh, a good number anymore uh, because there's a lot of issues with the Lions and, and, and the Browns and the health and the weather and the quarterback. So uh, that one, if you can get it, you know, up to 43, uh, I would still take that under. But for this show, uh, I'm going with my other favorite total of the week, and that is Washington, Carolina under 43 and a half. So I love this under because on one side, you have Carolina. And I've been saying this since early in the year, and and people kind of like laughed it off. I was like, Carolina's defense is going to be a defense that nobody wants to see. 
by the time this year ends, we're going to be thinking of it as like a, a top five, you know, top seven, top eight unit. And lo and behold, they're number three in defensive DVOA. Uh, they can man up. They will blitz um, because they can man up. So, you know, they, they can get home at four if they really need to, I think. But they don't always have to because they can man up. They can blitz. Washington, what's, what's the deal with Washington? They have one good receiver. Taylor Heineke, first read, classic first read quarterback. Exactly the type of uh, offense that you do not want against Carolina. So what's Washington probably going to do? They'll probably just try to run it a lot. You know, Antonio Gibson coming off a game-winning touchdown, uh, his second uh, of that of that contest against Tampa Bay, a, a tough run defense. Washington's probably going to say, hey, we could probably run it. Uh, that'll bleed the clock. On the other side, you have Carolina, and they realized like a month ago that they weren't going to be at their best throwing the ball. Over the last four weeks, they are running on 54% of their early downs. That's fourth most in the league. Uh, they've had games with over 40 rushing attempts uh, over the last month. Uh, we've seen it now, you know, every week. That's the plan. With Cam Newton, that's only going to increase more because when he drops back, he's liable to run on scrambles. They're going to design more runs from the quarterback than they did with P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold. So you're going to get a run-heavy game plan for Carolina regardless. Like, they're, they're not going to try to come out and throw in Cam Newton's first start. But Washington, yes, I know their front seven is decimated, but – they're still number six in run defense DVOA, number two in run defense early down success rate allowed. So, yes, the losses of Young and Sweat are going to hurt, but you're talking about an elite unit. So losing those guys, you're still probably a little bit above average. Uh, and either way, the clock is running. So both of these teams are going to have to go, I think, drive the full length of the field to score points. Both of these teams are going to be interested in keeping it on the ground, Outdoor game, late in the year, uh, give me the Carolina-Washington under 43 and a half. Yeah, and there's a lot of familiarity here with Rivera and, and Newton as well. Rivera, by the way, has been great as an underdog, and I do think that this line is a little inflated based on what we saw last week. I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't surprised that Carolina won. I was more surprised that Washington won, and this, this line has taken off past three. I think there is some value in Washington. Yes, sweat. You don't have sweat and young now off the edge, but – I think that Washington secondary, which was so lost, figured out some things over the bye. That was, you know, one of the things I said before the bye was maybe their secondary can get a little better. Their coverage and communication looked a lot better against Tampa Bay, which is a good sign here. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to get many big plays from either passing offense. So I agree with this under. Uh, for my favorite total, I kind of like the you know, ones that popped. Miami under was a consideration. Same with this under that you just went with. I didn't mind the Vegas over, which I mentioned, but I'm going to go with the Colts and Bills under 50 at BetMGM. And look, the Colts are, they play a style that's conducive to unders. They want to run the ball. They are the slowest team in the NFL from a pace perspective in neutral situations. The Bills aren't necessarily that. They want to play fast. They want to throw the ball a ton. And whereas the Colts have an elite run defense. Their secondary can be a bit vulnerable, but they don't give up explosive passing plays. They keep everything in front of them. Same thing with the Bills. The Bills are top three uh, explosive pass defense as well. So I don't think you see a ton of explosive plays. I think you see Indianapolis keep this on the ground, and they can have a little bit of success against Buffalo there. That's a good thing. Keep the sticks moving. They have the ball. They're going to be playing slow. Keep that clock moving. There also can be some wind here. Buffalo and some rain so you could have some weather assistance which kind of put me over the top here 
on Sunday in Orchard Park. And when I look at the Bills, the Bills have played nobody all year. They've had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Their offense has been off, though. Their offense has been off against bad defenses. There's something that's just not right with Josh Allen right now. Their defense, again, hasn't played great competition, but it's been elite. I mean, you can adjust for opponent. They've been the best defense in the NFL. This is a defense I believed in coming into the year. This is a defense I think is elite. This is the defense that I trust enough to, for the Bills to be my only Super Bowl future. So I think that the defense is legit. I do think that the offense has some issues right now that they still have to work out. So this isn't the offense that we saw at the end of last year when they played, and that offense was just humming. Uh, so I, I think the defense plays. The offense is still going to – the Colts are going to make them drive it down the field, not give up explosive passing plays. And the Bills right now, Allen just isn't accurate enough to sustain too many drives. So I think there's this sets up for an under weather will only help. Yeah, I mean, this is what we talked about earlier, right? Opponents are making these elite offenses, or in theory, these elite offenses, drive the length of the field. That's what the Colts are going to try to do. Uh, and then the Bills, you know, going into last week, all the talk was about the reason we've been struggling is we got to establish the run game. We haven't established the run game. And you play the Jets. And it works brilliantly. And now you play a team that's, you know, top of the league and run defense. So, but you're coming off a, a game where you got right because you ran the ball. So are they going to abandon that now? I, I don't think so. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that, that are kind of playing into this one. Yeah, I mean, this Bill's offense, when you don't adjust for opponent, top three in the NFL. But they played one of the easiest schedules of pass and run defense in the NFL. You adjust, look at DVOA. Middle of the pack offense right now. This is an offense that was absolutely elite last year, top three adjusted for opponent. Now they're middle of the pack. So I think that the Colts can do enough to slow them down. And when the Colts have the ball, they're going to run it. Class could be running. They're going to take their time. And I trust this Bills defense. Give me the under. Yeah, I'll be rooting for, for, for you for Carson Wentz to not shovel the ball in his own end zone to the Bills. Like we could take some shot. We could take some shovels though at the inside the uh, five of the of the Bills though to the Bills. That will help. <laughs> right? Yeah, you want it at that end of the field. Unfortunately, seems like Carson Wentz has barely thrown any picks, but everyone he's thrown has been just disastrous. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Is it the same Wentz or is it not? I don't know. But all right, that's gonna wrap it for our favorite total of the week. Stucky going Colts Bills under fifty. I'm going football team Panthers under forty three and a half. Now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. All right, Stuck. I mean, we could make this short because we're going with the same teaser. This is the same teaser I went with last week. It actually didn't hit. But, I mean, this is the teaser of teasers. It's the perfect spot. Uh, so just just tell tell everybody what we're doing here. Yeah, two, team, two games we already talked about, Minnesota and Seattle. Tease them both from two and a half up to eight and a half. That's the ideal teaser, teasing up. An underdog, a two and a half, one underdog, up over three, four, six, and seven. And here's two nuggets. And we'll just, we already talked about these games. Minnesota has yet to lose a game by more than one possession this year. And Russell Wilson, in the 36 games that he's been an underdog, when he started and finished the game, He's covered a six-point teaser, any underdog number, 33 out of 36 times. That includes a 21-2 and two record as an underdog between one and three points when teased up. So, uh, yeah, not much to cover here. Just great spot for both. And we think there's value in both anyway. And now you're getting eight and a half. So, yeah, uh, Vikings, Seahawks, not much more to talk about there. 
Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, as we mentioned, we would love, obviously, to get the threes in the Minnesota and the Seattle game. Probably won't get it. But this is a way to no, kind of lock in so. value either way is you can you could tease that now and then you can, you can wait a little bit because the Packers are a public team. I get you know, that's one thing with the Packers. Like, I think they're getting something like 80 percent of the bets um, as, as we look early in the week. So I could see the Packers maybe getting to three Seahawks, probably not. But either way, you lock in the teaser, you know, because at, at nine, you know, if, if it goes to three, now you're just interested in the spread anyway. So you can lock in the teaser you know, plus two and a half for both and kind of wait it out a little bit and not feel like, you know, it could go either way on you. Like you're, you're going to lock in value some one way or another. Um, so that's Yeah. And you I can think. lock that in before potentially Kyler Murray gets mm-hmm. uh, ruled out. And then all of a sudden that line Seattle's a favorite and yeah. you're not only not getting three, you're not, you're not getting that teaser option to get over seven. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so that's, uh, that was a quick teaser segment, but we're both going Seattle two and a half to eight and a half uh, against the Cardinals as a home dog and the Vikings two and a half to eight and a half uh, against the Packers as a home dog. All right, let's go to our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. All right, no luck last week, but uh, we're still 5 of 10 on the season. And even better than that, if you just take all of our money line picks, I think we're over 50%. So it's uh, been a very profitable year uh, for anyone tailing these money line dogs. Uh, where are you going for week 11? Uh, game we already talked about, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Classic rah-rah spot. Tomlin has been great in these spots also as an underdog against teams with a winning record. This is ridiculous. He's... This is not against the spread. This is straight up on the money line as an underdog. He's 25 and 14. Straight up as an underdog. That's 64%. That's pretty much all you need to know. Classic rah-rah spot and uh, a lot of uncertainty with who's playing, who's not, which I think always, you know, increases variance and adds some more intrigue to the money line dog here. But yeah, 25 and 14 as uh, an underdog on the money line. And we'll, we'll just take a look here. When he's getting four or more points on the money line. He's nine and eight. He wins more times than he loses straight up. Bring your A game today. You ain't new to this no more now. You know what I mean? Dominate this football game. Well, we, we talk about this on this podcast. It's like, it's funny because it, on like one side, you know, we're analytically savvy. And so, you know, a lot of these like coaches that have been around for a while, it seems like we end up betting them because that's what they're, that's what they're good at. It's, it might, they might not be the most analytically savvy, but as motivators, getting their team ready for games where no one believes in them and it's us against the world, uh, you know, we at least expect them to kind of have a good game. You know, Carroll, Zimmer, Tomlin, Peyton. Uh, Peyton, I mean, Peyton's pretty well respected regardless. But, you know, it's like these coaches, this is kind of how you have to bet these coaches in these spots. So uh, I've been waiting a while for this. I don't think we've gotten this all year, but we get to parlay a Tomlin spot with a Peyton spot. Sean Peyton and the Saints, plus 105 in Philly, are going to be my money line dog. Listen, I think the Eagles actually match up decently well with the Saints. Uh, you know, the Eagles have been decent against both man and zone on offense. Hurts can run and maybe take the Saints out of some of their man coverage looks, but you still have, you know, the potential to lock down Devontae Smith, who's been going off these last couple of games. Now, I, you're going to stop the Eagles' run, and that's what they've been doing. They've been running two-thirds of the time on early downs uh, over the last three three games and the Saints are number one in run defense. They allow under three yards to carry a running back. The Eagles resurgence has come because they realize, Oh wait, 
you know, we could actually run the ball and we probably should because our defense is kind of shaky and we need to, you know, but our quarterback can make things happen and buy time if we get him in manageable down and distance situations. Well, the Saints aren't going to let him do that. You just don't run on the Saints. So it creates a whole different game where I think the Saints can hang around. And you want to talk about crazy money line stats as an underdog? Since 2018, Sean Payton and the Saints have been an underdog 14 times. They've won 11. They're 11 and three as a money line underdog. underdog. Underdog God, underdog God. Yeah. Payton. Yeah. So we're not getting as sexy of a number as your plus 190 with Pittsburgh, but uh, we're getting the plus 105 here. We get to parlay the two. So it comes out to a payout of 4.95x, so just under 5x. So if you put a $100 bet in, you get back 594.50, according to our Action Network parlay calculator. And just some more stats real quick on Sean Payton. Uh, off a loss, as an underdog, straight up, he wins more than he loses. He's 15 and 14. As a money line dog from week three on, so first couple of weeks of the season, you know, the market isn't quite as, as accurate all the time. So you want to take out some of those, but... Week three on, as a money line underdog, he wins more often than he loses. He's 32 and 29, 53%. Oh, and by the way, New Orleans is the better team, according to DVOA. Uh, they're eighth, Philly's 15th. Remember, that is schedule adjusted for what it's worth. So a lot of factors pointing here to New Orleans being able to pull out the upset. And we get to parlay the two underdog gods in Mike Tomlin and Sean Payton. So let's do it. All right, so that's going to do it for our money line underdog parlay. As a recap, Stuck is going with the Steelers plus 190 at the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm going with the Saints plus 105 at Philadelphia. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Let's get to best of the rest, which are the games that we did not discuss in any other segment. So we already did talk about the Dolphins and the Jets. So I'll, I'll take that one out of them. We have three other ones that we haven't really talked too much about. Uh, I'll start with Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland's a 10 point favorite. The total is 44 and a half. It's going down though. So I, I would still like it up to 43. Uh, I really do like the under in this game. Both of these teams are bottom six in situation neutral pace. Both of these teams want to run the football. 
Uh, Lions unders have been just a cash cow all season long. They're six and three, uh, winning two thirds of the the time. You know, it's just one of those late in the season uh, outdoor games. You know, the home team is the favorite. Lion, two bad receiving cores. I mean, Peoples Jones mispracticed. Uh, got hurt in practice. You got Anthony Schwartz isn't practicing. You know, Beckham is long gone. I mean, this 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 could legitimately be a matchup between two of the worst receiving cores in the NFL uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, teams that want to run the ball. Lions can't figure it out. A kicker. Uh, they just signed a guy off the Patriots practice squad. So we're so we're back to kind of this Patricia situation where you're pulling guys off the Patriots and hoping it pans out. Yeah, that's worked real well for the Lions in the past. So uh, I don't expect them to score much. Uh, whoever does score, I expect them to have to, to drive down the field and, and I expect the clock to run. So that, that's kind of how I'm looking at this one. Uh, I did bet the under at 45, uh, but it's it's been dropping because we might not have Jared Goff here and Mayfield's banged up as well. Yeah, I think that's a good handicap. The only thing I'll add is that if Goff doesn't go, I have about a one and a half point difference between him and Tim Boyle who looks like is taking reps with the first team, even though he's been on IR since the preseason uh, over David Blau, who was has started games before, but ha- hasn't done too well. Uh, look, golf is not great. I hate, you know, that I hate golf and he has, his air yards are like negative. I think his area is like four yards on average, the lowest in the NFL. His one touchdown and four picks, I think over his last five games. So, you're not missing much by him being out of the lineup, but it's still Tim Boyle is still a guy who's been IR since the preseason with zero career starts and 15 career passing yards. So I have, there's a small drop, but it's not significant. Um, no interest in the side here, but I don't mind that undertake. Yeah. I mean, Boyle, the one thing he, he probably can push it down the field more than yeah, he has the livest arm yeah. of all three. You're yeah. just hoping though, but like you said, rusty, But who's he throwing it to? Right. I mean, and you just hope that he throws picks like when he's throwing down a field, you know, kind of, yeah. you just, as long as, you know, you could probably take a player, a big player to, I mean, that's 45, 44 and a half. It's a, it's a big total for two teams. that want to run the football like this. Uh, all right, let's go to Baltimore, Chicago. Interested in your thoughts on this one. I don't really have too much of a feel for this after, you know, Justin Fields was like kind of another guy who's kind of going to change as the year progresses. He's going to improve a little bit. Uh, Baltimore's coming off a flat spot, but Harbaugh has never really been one of those guys that you can bank on off a loss the way you can with some of these other coaches. He's only 21, 28 and two against the spread uh, off the, off a loss. And then Lamar, you know, he used to be a guy you could bank on on the road, 14 and eight against the spread in his career, the small sample size. So he's only one and three this year. So, uh, you know, I don't really have a feel for it. I kind of thought about the under uh, at one point, but I don't know. I mean, is this kind of a bounce back spot for, uh, for the Ravens, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh's always been great with extra time to repair. So he's coming off of Thursday night game, a little extra time to repair. They were embarrassed. So I would expect uh, a pretty good effort here. The Bears' defensive injuries, it looks like they're going to be a little healthier this week on the defensive side of the ball. But it's still not a great defense. And look, this is a copycat league. I'm curious to see how many other teams try to do what the Dolphins did. They just were blitzing everyone, playing cover zero. But they have pretty good corners, and they are one of the most aggressive defenses in the NFL, so it wasn't too out of character. The Bears have the lowest blitz rate in the league, Mm -hmm. and they don't have great corners across the board. But I'm curious to see if they try to copycat that. The Ravens, who also blitz a ton, that might spell bad news for Justin Fields, who has not been great against the blitz. But, you know, he kind of showed 
himself uh, a lot better against the Steelers. I think this line is about right. Lamar Jackson was sent home with an illness today from practice, which is why the line came down a little bit. From all reports, it's not COVID, but um, I think this line is about right. Side in total. Um, no interest here. Yeah, it's a kind of a tough game to to handy or not. A, it's a tough game to handicap, but it also just feels like, yeah, the, the my projections are pretty much in line with uh, yep. what's going on here. So tough to, to really give. Sometimes it's just the lines are just right. That's yeah. all. Yeah, we're pretty late in the season. I mean, they should be. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, another team that's been kind of up and down here uh, going against a team that's been improving incrementally. San Francisco off a big win on Monday night against the Rams. They are six and a half point favorites. The total is 45 and a half. We actually have tracked some sharp action here on San Francisco. I don't know if this is another thing where they're trying to get it to the seven or the seven and a half and then come back on the Jags. Seems like it because you usually don't see sharps move on six and a half point favorites. But I mean, San Francisco did kind of figure some things out. They, fig- they kind of got back to doing what they do, which is run the ball. I mean, you know, they don't really need that third receiver in the game too much. Get Debo Samuel the ball any way you can. Ayuk's playing more. Um, they, they, they're going over the middle. Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of rendered Trey Lance like irrelevant at this point. I mean, we don't even we don't even see Lance in like any special package. Like he's not even getting the Taysom Hill treatment at, at this point. So, I mean, another one. It doesn't seem too off for me. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I make the six and a half. So, no interest. I do think that the 49ers are by a play on team. From here on out, this isn't a great spot either. Like, did had an emotional win, you know, and against the Rams in dominant fashion in prime time. Now they go across the country to play an out of conference game against a really bad team. So, are they going to show up from the get go? You know, over the last few years, the 49ers have been better on the road than they have at home. But I think that this is this line is about right. I think the 49ers are probably going to be a trend, a team trending in the right direction. But given the line here, the spot, I have no interest in backing here. I will be probably backing them a few other times the rest of the season. They were kind of like the anti-Cardinals. That's the reason they lost both games of the Cardinals. They were running really bad on fourth downs, fumbles, all early on. Even though, you know, if you look at a lot of metrics, this is a top 10 team across the board. Um, no, no doubt about it. So, uh, but no interest here. This is just uh, looks about right. Yeah, and, and the one thing is, no, I know a lot of people are going to say 49ers just dominated the Rams. This is still Urban Meyer. I have expressed my disdain for Urban Meyer, uh, but he has the Jaguars playing more competitively. I, I will give him that. But this is why I wouldn't touch this game. It's because I, I don't think you really want to play the Jaguars at six and a half, but I don't think you can play the Niners at six and a half because Kyle Shanahan, eight, 19 and one, 30% against the spread as a favorite. Uh, when he's not coming off the bye week. So this is one of those spots, like you said, a lot of variance here. It could be a flat spot. It could You could see the penalties come. It could be a sloppy spot. You could see those penalties come back and give the Jags life. The Jags may not show up. I mean, you know, they they, what, they beat the Bills. They scored nine points on offense. Um, so it's, yeah, this is just one I probably wouldn't bet um, if, if, unless I had to. All right, let's, uh, let's get to our final segment. And that's our Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. The survivor pool pick of the week oh, no. we're combined 20 and 0 we're we've survived 10 weeks each uh, where are you going for week 11 
All right, so the circuit contest, if you want to follow along, Las Vegas Ravens, I'm one of 173 left for Woo-hoo! 6 million. Win- nice. Winner take all, 6 million. And I'm in pretty good spot because I've taken a lot of bad teams. The key to this whole thing was I took the, the Dolphins that week, and that was a carnage week, and then it enabled me to use the Colts, another carnage week. You survived them both, too, without, without even having to use the Dolphins. But this week, I'm thinking that a lot of people are going to use the Titans, especially in that in that pool, almost every single person has a Titans available. I'm getting bad vibes about that game, and the Titans always play down the competition. And a lot of people have already used the Bucks. I would have loved the Browns. I've already used the Browns. So I'm going to use the Bucks here. If you look, there's not a ton of spots where you would feel comfortable using the Buck. The, the Bucks yeah. is like week 15. So yeah, I'm going to use I'm going to use Tampa here off two straight losses at home with Brady. Let's hope he's not too tired after his bedtime. Uh, I think that. I feel pretty confident that Tampa will win this game. I mean, yeah, you, you look at their numbers at home and on the road, it's a completely different story. They're, I think they're 26.2 points better in terms of point differential at home this year than on the road. It's It's been just a night and day situation. Brady has made it clear that he likes playing in Tampa um, in that weather. So maybe not surprising. This guy is like old enough to be our dads. But um, yeah, I'm going Cleveland here. Uh, saved them, didn't use them in week two. Uh, you ended up going with the Packers in week two uh, when you went with the Browns. So uh, I, I kind of it was kind of a situation where I was going to be a little cautious and perhaps use the Bucks, uh, but I, they do have a game against the Jets later in the year, and then Tennessee still has the Jaguars later in the year. So there's a couple of spots where I can still see using Tampa and Tennessee, whereas Cleveland, uh, this is pretty much it. Like after this, there's really no other spot you would use Cleveland. They're going against the backup quarterback. Uh, it won't be pretty, but they've proven that they can kind of do what they do, running the ball. Um, and, you know, this isn't Belichick. This isn't the Patriots. This is the Lions in Cleveland. Uh, not, not a big travel spot for the Lions, but just, you know, I know we, we we aired last week with the Browns, but should be a spot to back them here. Took the Cowboys last week, and we saw that bounce back. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's a bounce back spot for Cleveland. So, hopefully we uh, we get to 11-0 here. And uh, good luck in that contest, man. That that would be big. Next week, it's it's that contest. You have to pick one on Thanksgiving, Ooh. and like that's a separate week. So we'll talk about that next week. But I think, oh, well, yeah, we'll have our podcast out by the way early next week for you guys. We're going to yeah. record it on Tuesday, so you'll have it before the Thanksgiving games on Wednesday. But for that, which is different than most survivor pools, I'm going with the Cowboys. That's the only choice I've had to save them. It's a tough survivor week. We'll talk about that next week. But Pod will be out early next week. All right, that's going to do it for the Week 11 Action Network podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our picks on the award-winning Action Network app. Just search for Sunday Six Pack in the app's follow feature. You can find Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles in the Action app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for our betting content. Stuck will have the Sunday night football Steelers Chargers game written up, and I'll do the Monday night Bucks Giants. And uh, you can also check out fantasylabs.com for our DFS content tools uh, and models. So next time, let's get this money. Let's go.